Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Fashion is one of the most polluting industries in the entire world. And by 2050, it's set to be uh, to give off a quarter of the world's carbon emissions. It's so damaging. And I thought, you know, if I'm thinking about what's on my plate so intently and thinking about plastic, fashion's such a part of that. Because so much of our clothing is made from plastic often. So if you're thinking about that plastic water bottle that you're drinking from, you should be thinking about your clothes as well. And equally, if you're thinking about where your food's coming from, where are your clothes coming from and who's making them and how much are they being paid? Welcome to the Doctor's Kitchen Podcast with me, Dr. Rupi. Now, today we're going to be talking about something a little bit off-piste. It's fashion and health. Now, this podcast idea really came about after I heard quite a heated debate on Radio 4 regarding fashion and its environmental impact. And I thought, who better to talk to about this than my friend Venetia Faulkner, who is a London-based producer, presenter and host of the Talking Taste Buds podcast that I've actually featured on and who's extremely passionate about mindful consumption and slow fashion. She's been featured discussing sustainable fashion on BBC World News, Radio 4 and Radio London and you may have even seen Venetia on Tastemade where she makes delicious plant-based dishes and low-waste beauty products. Human health and environmental health are completely connected and I think we're all slowly waking up to the realisation that our consumption, whether that be food, whether it be clothing or beauty products, is having an impact on environment, which is having an impact on our human health. A number of years ago, the World Health Organization published a report entitled Our Planet, Our Health. And actually, it talks about the maintenance and improvement of health being the center of concern about environment and development. We really get into some difficult uh, and tricky subjects here, uh, talking about physical as well as mental health, um, FOMO culture, and the impact of going offline for 48 hours, which is something that Manisha has been doing over the past few months. You'll find the recipe video that I cooked for Venetia on the show on my YouTube channel and you can check out the doctorskitchen.com for all the show notes and the links to everything that we spoke about on the pod. Now, onto the pod.
Anyway, I better get on cooking yeah. with you. Yeah, get cooking. Come on, Rafi. <laughs> I'm going to get... <laughs> okay, so I know you haven't been feeling well. No. I don't know if you want to tell people that. But... Yeah, I'm, I'm an overshower. I yeah, okay, cool, cool. Um, so I'm going to make you a very complicated salad that I'm not expecting you to eat lots of, and I wouldn't recommend it. But um, it's going to be watercress and spinach with peas, mint, a little bit of basil for my lovely basil plant here, mm. um, with some sun-dried tomatoes uh, and peach. Um, these are in season right now. You'll see these everywhere in August, September, um, and they taste absolutely delicious, super sweet. And so that's going to give a nice sweetness to counter the bitterness of the watercress leaves that, as you probably are aware, are very healthy. Um, and it's vegan. Is, yeah, and it's not too spicy because I was thinking about making you curry. I was like, uh, maybe I yeah, should. Yeah, maybe not. Yeah, 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 I had a I had a horrific twenty four hour vomiting situation. <laughs> yeah. It's absolutely debilitating when you get it's sick. Terrible. Yeah, yeah. And I all of yesterday I basically took yesterday to rest in bed. Yeah. And any time I laughed, yeah. I felt like I had done ten thousand sit ups because yeah, yeah, yeah. my whole body had just been intent on getting everything out of my yeah, system yeah. Um, but i feel so much better today uh, i've had the illness unfortunately many a time being uh, a doctor working in pediatrics and stuff so i feel like i've gained a lot of resilience but i don't want to tempt fate so anyway, i'm going to get on with this um but Venetia, i'm so happy that you're here because um like i said we'll get into what we're going to chat about which is fashion and the impact of environmental health and how that's inextricably linked to human health but why don't you tell the audience about what your journey has been and your incredible accounts that I absolutely love following. I'm really a big fan of the dancing, by the way. <laughs> honestly, I'm sure you get that a lot, but like, honestly, it's so good. I could literally watch you over and over and go, how she did the moves? <laughs> you are too kind. Yeah. Um, well, firstly, thanks for having me and thank you in advance for all the dark leafy greens. <laughs> I'm a big fan of the DLGs. The DLGs, you tell, I remember that on your podcast, the DLGs. I love yeah. a DLG. Yeah. Um, so I started my career in television uh-huh. um i went to warwick university and read english and film and while i was there got kind of heavily involved in the tv and radio societies had a couple of radio shows and quickly decided that i wanted to go into the media uh-huh. when i graduated so I spent all my time at university um in my university holidays doing as much work experience as i possibly could yeah. at any film tv or radio company that would have me and those kind of work experience and running jobs led me to placements and then very fortunately I ended up with an internship at MTV uh-huh. when I graduated from Warwick and then I worked my way up um, where, where was MTV based back then? Camden where oh, it still nice. is oh, yeah. okay cool so it's part of Viacom which owns yes. Nickelodeon and yes. um, Paramount Films uh-huh. it's huge yeah so I worked my way up there had the most incredible time learning how to edit learning how to shoot learning how to interview uh-huh. and inadvertently learning how to present and conduct interviews. Um, This is where you get your podcast skills from. Yeah, and actually everything I do now is kind of due to this experience. Mm. Worked my way up as a producer and then ended up kind of falling into, I I always say falling into and then I have to correct myself. I say falling into presenting, but really I think I'd been honing my craft for quite a few years. So I started presenting a daily live show at 4Music, which is part of Channel 4. Um, Produced and hosted that for about a year. So every day, two hours live on the telly, which was an incredible experience. Um, and then from there, I started hosting digital content for Tastemade. They're an online food and lifestyle platform. And kind of at that point, figured out that really online is where it's at. Yeah. Um, you when can. Is, 
this oh this would have been two years ago okay wow okay. um or two two and a half years ago maybe yeah. um and then started a youtube channel from uh-huh. there where i could kind of talk about being vegan and my lifestyle as a vegan and then um about six months after that launched talking taste buds my pl- platform mm-hmm. i wanted to create a space where 16 year old me would feel better about food and health i had a disordered relationship with food when i was at school um and just didn't know what i should be doing and i wanted to kind of interview people who knew a lot of things and had good relationships with food and well-being and mental health to kind of put a positive message out there sorry to interject how did you how do you feel that you got into that sort of way of thinking the disordered eating like then when you were a teenager, because it's very, I mean, I think we're getting better at recognising it as physicians, mm. but certainly this appears to be, a, there appears to be a wave of like, you know, more teenagers um, having an issue with, with dieting culture. Yeah. So I have suffered with anxiety since I was a little girl. So I think I'm kind of prone to anxiety. And as a way of coping with my anxiety, I can be quite controlling or I, and I find schedules and uh, kind of routine very comforting. And then I had lived at home until I was 16 and at 16 I started boarding and I was at an all girls boarding school and that's quite a high pressure environment. Yeah. And it was a mixture of things really. I started partying in London with people who were older than me, prettier than me, thinner than me. And I was also at a kind of very high powered school with lots of female energy around me and it was very competitive and I think I just wanted to gain control because suddenly I felt out of whack with my body because I was I was on the pill I suddenly put on weight after being very very slim for my entire life and I think it was just lots of things that happened and I always talk about it with my mum because she was the person who really helped me heal from it and kind of got me on the right route again and we kind of came to the conclusion that even if I hadn't moved away from home mm-hmm. and started boarding, it would have happened at some point, yeah. whether that was in my early 20s or mid 20s. I think it just would have happened anyway. I think it was kind of unavoidable due to so many factors. Fortunately, it never got so bad that, you know, it was out of, out of control. But I'm just so grateful for it because it kind of it meant that I had to fall back in love with food again. Yeah. And in turn, that's kind of led me to do everything that I'm doing now. Yeah, yeah. But it's such a... I'm really grateful for it now, but it, it does... It really pains me when I see people or hear, hear from people who are going through a similar thing or worse, often worse, because I, I kind of only... I didn't get too deep into it, fortunately. Yeah. But it's, I think as a female, you know, when we're inundated with so much kind of nonsense from the media i think it can be really hard to avoid absolutely and i think it's really refreshing actually to hear someone look back on their experiences with a positive outlook because i think and it takes time for you to get to that point i think where you can look back and think that experience is actually what made me today this is the reason why i have a youtube channel or the reason why i'm able to positively influence so many other people in a similar situation and even those who are not in similar situations can can still sort of gain um uh, positive um, impact from, from what you're doing. Thank you. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> I was going to quickly go back to this uh, recipe yes. what every people have been hearing, or unless you're watching on YouTube, you can see this. But uh, I've chopped up some 
peaches. Uh, I've added some of the cooked um, peas here. I've actually cooked these from raw, but you can even use uh, frozen peas. They're just thaw and then they're, they're easy and they've still got that lovely bite to them. A little bit of um, fresh basil, uh, some fresh mint I've just chopped up with the oily um, sun-dried tomatoes. I'm not going to give you too much of this. I'm going to give you some steamed potatoes. Yes. <laughs> but you can try a little <laughs> taste of this. I'm just going to mix this up and this is going to be the flavor base for everything. Um, and as you're probably aware, I'm a big fan of just getting as much variety and as many different types of plants as possible into people's diets because this is super key to health. And we could talk about all these different things individually, but really the reality of the situation is, is that we don't know that much about the complexity of plants and we like to sort of like single out resveratrol or carotenoids and tomatoes or, you know, the plant proteins you'll find in peas and that kind of stuff. But really, it's a lot bigger than that. There's like thousands of different chemicals that we put in here um, and they're interacting with our complex bodies. So um, variety, colors, plant focus, that's the key. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> Can I quickly tell you about the fun fact I learned about basil this week, which you may or Go may not know. It. Go for it. I don't know if anyone else is dealing with this problem, but I currently have a fruit fly issue in my kitchen. I, I often get that in the studio here, yeah. So annoying, so <laughs> yeah. many fruit flies, especially yeah. when the fruit is so delicious at this time of year. Absolutely. And one way to combat uh, this fruit fly situation is to, what I used to do, fill a glass with some apple cider vinegar, uh -huh. put some cling film, on, cling film on top, plastic wrap if you're American, pierce that cling film with a knife and then said fruit flies will fly into apple cider vinegar and die. No now, way. obviously, cling film, not planet friendly. <laughs> Yeah. killing fruit flies in such a way again not vegan so my way to combat this is to just have a basil plant yeah. and it keeps them away from all the fruit really yeah did i teach you something uh, yeah absolutely i had no idea about that there you go wow it's okay good, it's a good feeling to know that you've taught rupee no, something let me tell you that <laughs> no that's great i mean i learn things all the day every day from from patients from people like yourself like yeah we're always in a constant state of learning good yeah that's, that's amazing I'm definitely going to look that up. It's kind of like um, how I use bananas to ripen everything, like whether yeah. it be avocados or... Actually, I don't know if people will know that. Like, you know, putting bananas in a brown paper bag with your underripe avocados that are super frustrating. Um, and then it speeds up the ripening process. Love that. from ethylene. Yeah. Love that. Anyway, uh, <laughs> back to the dish at hand. I'm just going to mix this all together with the spinach leaves and the watercress here. Um, I'm going to add, um, I'm actually going to add the potatoes that I'm going to serve you uh, in a bit um, to this as well, just to sort of add some bulk. But if you wanted more sort of plant-based protein in this, you could add cooked chickpeas, uh, you could add broad beans. Um, I'm a really big fan of full right now. You know full, the Iran uh, Iraqi dish? Well, it's Middle Eastern dish. How do you spell this? Full is F-U-L. No, what and is... The full name is full madame, which is M-E-D-A-M-E-S. And it's basically, it's kind of like a Middle Eastern pesto. You start off with garlic, salt, lemon... Uh, a mint and you bash that together like really heavy on the lemon juice so you've got like a bit of a mixture and then you add cooked uh, broad beans to that in the cooking liquor so you cook it overnight it takes about eight hours yeah. and then you add chickpeas to that you mix that all together and then you top it with even more fresh herbs raw onion like finely diced and then you serve it with like wholemeal bread or salmon bread or like flat yeah yeah exactly oh, you just go in with it it's the dream oh, it's incredible yeah so I don't know how we got onto that uh, <laughs> you wanted to add more, but that was a way of oh, yeah, adding yeah. more plant-based Exactly. Protein. Yes, yeah, yeah. Thanks. I'm losing Pleasure. my own train of thought. This here. looks so good. <laughs> oh, good. 
Um, I don't want you to go too heavy on this, so, you know, a little taste for you. I'm just okay. going to go in with the potatoes. All I've done with these potatoes, um, I'm a really big fan <gasps> of these. I know, they're, they're, like, they're like roast potatoes, right? Simple uh, new potatoes that I've steamed for about eight, nine minutes, smashed, as in just with the back of a pan or back of a large spoon, olive oil into the oven, salt, pepper, and then it roasts for about 15 minutes at high heat. And then you get this gorgeous sort of crispy potato. I mean, look at that. I mean, that's quite I'm nice. So yeah. <laughs> All right, so that's gonna go I'm in here. So I'm throw a few in here. This looks amazing. Good, good. And I'm so glad. quick as yeah, well. Yeah, super quick, hey. I mean, I always have, actually that's one trick. I always have like steamed potatoes in my fridge. Because A, um, when you cool down the potatoes, you form a resistant starch, which is even better for your gut bacteria. And B, <laughs> my blow. And B, um, it just means that you've always got like a good sort of like carbohydrate, something to like boost your, um, your meal up um, to make it a little bit more satisfying and filling. Lovely. And then I'm just going to pop this oh on top gosh, here. This looks so good. Good. All right. Move that to one side. This is for you, and you can take one of those forks. Something that isn't a toast. Yeah. Am I eating it now, or am I waiting? Oh yeah, again, no, give it a try. Give it a try. Okay, I'm gonna try and get a bit of everything. Get some peach. Get some DLG. Yeah. Get some potato. Oh, that's a big guy. Mmm. <laughs> mmm. Good. So good. Good. I'm so good. Tastes like summer. Good. <laughs> yeah. It actually does. Yeah, I mean it's got loads of like, you know, summer ingredients. You've got the, the watercress and the peach and you know mm. some hazelnuts in there. Levels. I didn't Yeah, it's got lots of different levels. It's like so easy. You just like combine ingredients together and yeah. The potato as well. Good. It's so hard to do this without a knife. Don't worry, I'm not going to make you eat all of it. I will, though. I'll happily eat all of it. I'm sure you will, but I'm going to actually stop you because I'm worried. So yes, <laughs> we're going to give you some steamed potatoes then. <laughs> How's your lunch? Yeah, it was so delicious and I really <laughs> wanted to eat all of it. And then once I'd had the potatoes, I started to feel a little bit queasy. Um, and I just thought I can't have any. I re It was so delicious and I wish I, I hate not, but I always finish what's on my plate. It's all right, you've got some Tupperware. I've got so some Tupperware, we can take it home. You're going home. No food when you, waste. When you, yeah, exactly, when you feel a bit better, you can. Uh, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's really weird though. It's so, it's so weird waiting for your body to oh, yeah. come back to life. Yeah, absolutely. You've got to like, you know, you've got to think you've had a vomiting illness, your microbes have shifted. Because that that can happen over a short, very short space of time. Your acidity levels are different. You know the way you respond to food is going to be different. And this is why, like one of the issues. Sorry to go off topic here, but like uh, one of the issues I have about dieting culture is because they assume that there is one way of eating, regardless of who you are, what your background is, whatever. Whereas in reality, the different requirements for food can change from day to day, from month to month, from male to female, to different stages in your life, emotions, culture. And as a culture. female in your cycle too, right? Exactly, yeah, absolutely. And I don't think we have enough evidence to suggest that, you know, on day seven or day 14 or, or whatever sort of proportion of your cycle that you're going through, you should be eating different things. Mm -hmm. But one thing I have noticed is that those who carbohydrate restrict 
have issues with menstruation and I think carbohydrates are a very, very necessary part of, um, of, of a healthy menstrual system. Um, there's a reason why you're craving at certain times or why women crave, say, chocolate or potatoes and that kind of stuff. So your, your body is intuitively trying to tell you something. Mm. And if you restrict it, you know, you're not doing a good thing. So. Mm, it's just so important to tune in, isn't it? And to Absolutely. kind of really get used to what your body wants. Absolutely. Mm. And speaking of tuning in. Yes. So I was, <laughs> I was tuning in. <laughs> to, do you like the segue? I love it. I was tuning in to uh, Radio 4 uh, a few a few months ago now. I was on my way back from my nutritional medicine master's actually. And I was listening to a debate. Uh, it was in Moral Maze. I'll link to it in the show notes. Um, between a whole bunch of people and different viewpoints about the environmental impact of fashion. Specifically, they were talking about fast fashion, but I think fashion per se has a responsibility towards the environment. And what I'm interested in, and I think it's probably interesting for the listening audience, um, for the Doctor's Kitchen, everything I do, is the impact of uh, environmental um, issues and human health. But I know this is something that's been close to your heart for a while now, so Mm -hmm. I wanted to get your perspective on things and how you went and transitioned from, say, being more conscious about your food to being more conscious about the environment and how that kind of goes full circle. So I um, started sharing my daily food habits as a vegan on YouTube. Uh, I did lots of what I eat in a day videos and I was also doing recipes for taste made, vegan recipes for taste made. And someone said, oh, it's great that you're vegan and you're and you're looking at your plate in this way but you're wearing lots of fast fashion you know i came from hosting a daily live tv show where i just wanted to have the hottest freshest trendiest looks every day and never wear the same thing twice um and also there's that pressure that comes with social media if you kind of you you're not supposed to wear the same outfit on social media twice or that's what i thought and so i did some research into fast fashion um i watched the true cost documentary on netflix oh my god i love that documentary that's one of the uh triggers for me to think about minimalism and and what i was consuming uh just before i think i got into food uh, as much as i am now but yeah no i'm so glad you mentioned that so good yeah such a good documentary would really recommend it and also at the same time i watched the minimalist documentary yeah. uh started listening to all of their podcasts also watched um read marie kondo's uh tidying up book just all of this stuff i i I was going through a breakup and i had a lot of time on my hands (laughs) and i just did this kind of full deep dive into researching how to live with less and also the negative implications that come with supporting fashion as an industry and uh i kind of i'm very much an all or nothing person you know i'm vegan and i go i I, i'm low waste and once i learn about something when i first learned about being zero waste um, i was talking to a woman and she was telling me about her low waste lifestyle and i was like don't tell me anymore because i know that if i know more i'll go the full hog and i'm not ready for that and i really wasn't at the time so i know that i just i'm all or nothing And once I'd learned about the fashion industry, I thought, right, I can't be a part of this anymore. And one day I was at home and I was wearing an old jumper, which I loved. And I thought, oh, okay, I'll put this on Instagram and make a point of saying that I've worn this multiple times. And I came up with a hashtag, which is triple OTD. It kind of goes against the hashtag OOTD. So OOTD is like the original fashion hashtag on Instagram and it stands for outfit of the day. 
Okay. So outfit of the day implies you have an outfit of the day, a new outfit of the day every day. Right. And I was like, screw this, here's my middle finger, I'm gonna do old outfit of the day. Yeah. And it just kind of caught on. And now I have people sharing their old outfits of the day using this hashtag uh, every single day, multiple times. And there seems a real kind of interest in slow fashion and, yeah. and celebrating what we already have. Fashion's one of the most polluting industries in the entire world. And by 2050, it's set to be, uh, to give off a quarter of the world's carbon emissions. It's so damaging. And I thought, you know, if I'm thinking about what's on my plate so intently and thinking about plastic, fashion's such a part of that. Because so much of our clothing is made from plastic often. So if you're thinking about that plastic water bottle that you're drinking from, you should be thinking about your clothes as well. And equally, if you're thinking about where your food's coming from, where are your clothes coming from and who's making them and how much are they being paid? Well, well this is sort of the reason why I decided to get you on and talk about it because uh, it's kind of hypocritical for me to be talking about the impact of food and lifestyle and health without really recognizing the environmental impact on and how that leads to a cost to human health as well. I think Attenborough and uh, other people, yourself included, have really brought this to our attention about you know how plastic can impact and the uh, the quality of um, products that we find from the sea and and um, the environment and everything else. But at the same time, it would be irresponsible and negligent for me to not bring up the topic. So I, I, th- I suppose you could divide this into sort of. Um, physical issues and, and mental issues because clothing like food there's a lot of emotional connection behind it right definitely clothes is such an amazing way for us to express ourselves yeah. and as a lover of vintage clothes myself this skirt that I'm wearing is vintage and I when I found it it's I, a great skirt by the way thank you so yeah. much it's, it's a recent purchase That's awesome. thank you <laughs> and when I find a vintage piece that I love I start thinking about what's come before it, the story that's come before it, who's worn it, what was this woman like? And to me, everything is energy. It sounds very woo-woo. No, 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 Everything is energy. And clothes carry energy. And how wonderful to be able to wear clothes that have been passed down from people in your family because it's a way to kind of take forward this energy. And equally, if the people who have made your clothes have been treated fairly and paid a, paid a fair wage. I see it as all kind of, you're, you're supporting that and you're giving back to that. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you know, we remember the outfits of, of important stages of our lives. We remember what we wore maybe on our 21st birthday or on our wedding day, maybe to someone's funeral. You know, this stuff, it carries emotion, it carries weight. So clothes is such an important way for us to express ourselves and I think we shouldn't underestimate their power and I'm not going to sit here and say you know what go naked Mm. don't consume Mm. because that's not realistic but I think we have to be conscious about all of our decisions and for me that is food clothes relationships digital content how much time I spend doing whatever whatever I'm spending my time doing that is a decision and all of that has a chain of events that came before it. You've got a great way of, I think, of injecting a lot of humour into what you put out there digitally um, without seeming too preachy, without seeming too sort of, you know, uh, patronising. You've got a great way of sort of like marrying the message with something that's actually quite engaging. I remember you did this thing um, 
it was in response to the the one pound bikini. I think I think it was brilliant. I got it linked at the show. It was brilliant. So so funny. Um, but that kind of makes you think, right? I used to be the kind of person that would walk into H and M or Zara and just pick up, you know, uh, shirts because they were so cheap. And I actually I remember I used to get a whole bunch of them because I was working as a junior doctor. And uh, obviously, like if you've got a twenty pound shirt, the last thing you want to do is spend five pounds dry cleaning it, mm. and it's it's of such poor quality it's gonna like rip or it's gonna tear or whatever and i would just consume it and then it was until i watched true cost that i realized actually how this is having a damaging effect on on the environment let alone sort of like my throwaway sort of culture mm. so fast fashion has led us to believe that clothes cheap clothing is the kind of baseline for what we, they, fast fashion has led us to believe that those, the price of that clothing is the true cost of that clothing. When really, when something's so cheap that you can, you only have to wear it once, someone's not being paid or treated fairly further down the line or earlier on in the line. And I definitely think that I should acknowledge that I'm in a real position of privilege. I have the time and the money to be able to spend, um, the money that I want to spend on the clothes that I find and I have the time to look for clothes that really align with my ethos and I really accept my privilege there however it's not right that big fast fashion brands like Zara like H&M like Pretty Little Thing like Misguided like Boohoo are selling bikinis for one pound that's not okay really it's about getting back to the root of all of this when our parents' generation were growing up before fast fashion really, really hit, they wouldn't buy that much. When they did, it would be of good quality. They would look after it. They would mend it when it broke. They would accept hand-me-downs. They'd have a winter wardrobe, which they'd put away when the summer came and vice versa, which is a really good hack actually, um, because then your wardrobe feels fresh when when you get to autumn or when you get to spring. It's about getting back to the root of everything. It's about slowing consumption because we're kind of completely out of whack with how much we're consuming. Yeah. And it's a really hard thing to do, I think, because retail therapy is a thing. Yeah. That hit of dopamine that we get when we buy something new is probably scientifically proven. Oh, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. But I believe <laughs> that you can still get that hit of dopamine from something secondhand or vintage or potentially if you rent something or you loan something or you swap something absolutely yeah that's where i think we need to be headed and i think it's where we are headed as well i think there's there's like two common arguments i get uh in in defense of fashion in general fast fashion in particular the democratization of fashion so the fact that people who aspire to look or feel like Beyonce or like, you know, one of the aspirational stars, whatever, have the ability to at a very uh, low financial cost to them, regardless of the environmental cost. And the other thing is um, if you take away fast fashion, you're essentially depriving a community who otherwise wouldn't have a financial financial path, um, that sort of industry. Um, what would he, I mean, I, I know I'm, I'm totally against those two things, but like what kind of, how, how do you tackle that subject yourself? It's a really tricky one because I come at this from a position of privilege. Yeah. So it's really easy for me to preach in this way.
but unfortunately you can't take away from the fact that the people producing this these garments are being paid about a dollar a day they're having to wear adult nappies because time is money and they can't afford to go to the loo because it means that they won't be able to make a hundred garments that day and also we're in a state of climate breakdown what's more important this is the problem of our of our lifetime right like we can't escape the fact that we are in a real real dire, dire situation and it's not really about looking like kim kardashian at this point there's we have bigger fish to fry for want of a better phrase and to me nothing is more important than that mm. and i think with, with thanks to the second-hand economy places like depop which are really accessible and ebay mm. and um rental rental shops like rent the high, uh, high rent the high higher street higher street i think it's called mm -hmm. there are accessible platforms with pe for people with a lower income mm -hmm. where they can afford to look like their celebrity crush at a more accessible price point yeah it, I think it's a hard one though it's super hard yeah because i think like at the moment i think everyone listening to the listening to this is probably going to be in a position of privilege where we can actually afford to make those decisions given our new sort of insight into how destructive fashion can be on the environment and thus human health. We'll get onto that in a second. Um, but at the same time, it's like, we're probably that 10% if that. How do you actually change the uh, impact of the 90% of the population that don't really care? And unfortunately, there's a lot of people out there and because they have far greater issues than the choice of where they get their fruits and veggies from, their clothing from, you know, it doesn't matter that they have like, I mean, we have 4 million people in the UK still relying on food banks. And I don't think a lot of people would appreciate that. So it's got to be from a high level. And I'm, I'm not like a fan of the nanny state and I'm not a fan of like government uh, um, imposition, but there has to be a breaking point where corporate social responsibility does take precedent. So there was, there's something that happens every year called the Copenhagen Fashion Summit. And it's basically a way for big companies like H&M to try and prove that they're doing good. But the takeaway from the summit this year was that we're not going to change consumerism, unfortunately. Really? That was the big takeaway. So that, that, they, that would argue that the, the things that someone like Zara, a company like Zara are doing, which is promising to be fully sustainable um, by 2025, is the way that things should go. However, I, I'm still not willing to support those companies. I don't think that no matter how, if you, even if you're creating clothing made from fruit pulp, if you're still churning out that much product, to me, that's not sustainable. We have enough clothes in the world. There are 7 billion people on the planet right now, yet we produce nearly 100, million, 100 billion pieces of clothing a year. That is, there's such a discrepancy in that when you think about all the garments that are already in existence. I think it's about demanding change from our governments. However, unfortunately, all of the kind of propositions that were put forward um, to do with fashion this year to our government, I think pretty much all of them got rejected. There was supposed to be a new tax put on, um, put on clothing 
and yeah, it was rejected. It's really disheartening, actually. Yeah. It, there's such a um, discrepancy on the one hand of the spectrum. There seems to be such a heightened interest in the circular economy. Um, and I see a new kind of 18-year-old uh, fashion blogger on my feed every day doing amazing things with upcycling old clothes and, and really preaching yeah. this story better than I, better than I am really cute girls and then on the other hand you have our government who seemingly don't really give a toss yeah. it's a really tricky one sometimes i feel really positive about it and sometimes i feel like what what am, why am i even bothering well it's quite a hard position to be in i think as an influencer yourself because we have colleagues that uh are perhaps in a position of uh, well they are in a position of power yet they are sort of purposely blind or uh, willfully blind to the fact that they're promoting fast fashion whether that be uh, a gym brand whether that be you know um, uh, a fashion brand and the reality is we are bombarded with images of fashion when we're on the tube you know I'm constantly looking at some of the uh, the makers of the garments that you mentioned earlier um, and sort of the acceptance that you know if a celebrity is supporting it that it should be fine yeah and it's it's very difficult. I mean, I, I, as as a young person, I wouldn't. My instinct wouldn't be to fight that, right? It would be to look and aspire to be like that person. It takes a lot of takes a lot of self control. So what I'm think. trying to get at is that I don't think it's just the government responsibility. I think it's our responsibility. A hundred percent is definitely consumer responsibility, and this is something that I grapple with every day because doing what I do, I'm approached by brands on a daily basis saying, hey, we have this new sustainable X, whatever it is, we'd love you to promote it. And what I've learned through my slow fashion journey is it's not really about whether or not a fashion brand is sustainable. It's about slowing overall consumption. Because just because a brand is sustainable, in inverted commas, you're still supporting consumption in some way and trends in some way. And I, it's something I, I grapple with every single day yeah. because I don't want to be part of the greenwashing because that's what I'm out to fight against. But it's so difficult. Yeah. There have been times where I've definitely been part of the greenwashing. I just didn't realise it at the time. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's quite interesting because um, I'm reminded of like someone telling me about these Hindi scriptures about how uh, narcissism and power combined is essentially materialism. And this is something that we've seen like through Vedic scriptures or, you know, ancient texts and, and all the rest of it um, over and over again throughout humanity. And the materialism is something that's so attractive to people. It's very, very hard to sort of distance yourself from. And what we're, what you're trying to do, and what me to a very, very small extent, um, is make people more conscious of the fact that we are consumers and our consumption has an impact on multiple different things. And that's quite a difficult line to tread as an influencer because on the, the one side, you want to be you know, promoting the bigger picture, the environment, the um, the impact on human health and everything. On the other side, you don't want to be seen to be promoting an unhealthy mindset about everything. We've seen what happens with orthorexia, an unhealthy obsession with food. Is there going to be another term for an unhealthy obsession with clothing, or an unhealthy uh, 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 obsession with 
how just living on the planet is causing some sort of detriment. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's so it's such a difficult thing to balance, right? It really, really is. I think something I should say is I think obviously there are lots of brands doing sustainable lines, conscious collections and all the rest of it. And I think on the one hand, that is an effective way of if you put your money towards those things, you're highlighting to brands that that's the way that you want things to go. However, I've also seen so many sustainable clothing haul videos on YouTube from fashion bloggers and that defeats the whole notion of sustainable fashion. It's an absolute minefield. And I think striking the right tone is a really, really tricky thing. Because ultimately, if you wanted to be completely sustainable, you wouldn't really be breathing. Yeah. <laughs> if, I, if, I was, if I wanted to be zero waste, yeah. I wouldn't have a phone. I wouldn't buy bananas and avocados yeah. like I do. I would never travel. I wouldn't have a car. It's, it's near impossible. Yeah. You'd have to kind of live really remotely with a little vegetable patch and yeah. no Wi-Fi. And I think at the end, we'll summarize exactly how we can be a lot more mindful about oh, our consumption cool. and stuff like that. But I think it's a really important point that you made about how uh, we have the ability to change our landscape, whether it be our food landscape, whether it be our clothing landscape, with where we choose to put our pounds, right? Or our dollars or whatever. Uh, it's something I wrote about in my first book about uh, organic, seasonal, local. Um, yes, there have been some harmful impacts of pesticides on food, but choosing to buy organic where you can may have some marginal benefits to human health. I don't think it's big enough for me to promote organic as a blanket for everyone, but it shows the producers of, of said uh, um, produce that this is what you want. And actually, when you put your money where you want to see the landscape of food, that's what's going to drive down the cost ultimately. And I think the same thing with, with fashion as well. If, if fashion brands like the big, uh, is it Index? Is that the big overarching company of H&M and uh, Zara? And, okay. Okay. Um, if you show them that, you know what, we are interested in ethical clothing, we are interested in upcycling, we are going to reduce our consumerism um, and, and invest more in pieces of clothing that are going to last that's going to be the ultimate change. Uh, and it's what I'm a big advocate for. Uh, democracy is actually in the hands of where you put your money. Um, that's that's sort of like what, what I think more people need to be aware of. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that's the kind of inescapable fact of it, isn't it? Yeah. That's the yeah, truth. Yeah. And when it comes to the human health aspect, um, which is what I'm interested in, uh, fast fashion in particular has been associated with particular chemicals like phthalates uh, and... Um, uh, azos and a whole bunch of others that may be impactful on on our health on a number of different levels there hasn't been a huge amount of evidence to state 100 percent that these are definitely harmful for human health beyond allergic reactions but there is a pragmatism in my mind that states you know you probably want to be wary of where and how your clothing is produced have you come across anything like that and perhaps the toxicity to the actual workers and uh, for me, it's the toxicity of the dyes and inks and that kind of thing that run into our streams and our oceans and affect marine life and that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, like formaldehyde in particular, right? Yes, mm. lots of these words I'm not familiar with, Ruby, <laughs> yeah. but I know you know about them, so Sorry. I'll take your word for it. Um, yeah, that's kind of more of what I'm conscious of. But then 
how can they not be to my mind how can it not be harmful for our skin to wear yeah well i mean we use formaldehyde as a preservative for cadavers uh in in medicine so it, i mean it's a pretty harmful sub substance and, and i i'm a big fan of sort of like dose uh, like how much of this particular product is at high enough dose to cause harm? Because everything is about dose. Water, if you have too much water, it can be harmful. You have the right amount, it's, it's fine for you, it's beneficial, uh, I should say. For matter how there's probably a dose that is acceptable, we're probably far exceeding that, in my opinion, with some of these um, products because there isn't that sort of mind mindset of uh, this going into the environment and impacting marine life. It's, it's such a, it feels such a... Um... It feels so, it's weird for me to talk about it and to think about it at great length because when we talk about this kind of toxicity, the toxicity side of it, I just, my, all I can think about in my mind is privilege. Yeah. Privilege, privilege, privilege. Yeah. That's what I, and I, I get quite panicky about it, I think. Yeah, yeah. It's the same as what happened with food, right? I yeah, think absolutely. When the kind of clean eating wave came. It was it it was so much about privilege yeah. and the affordability of of good produce and and I think it's the same with clothing. I think it's the same thing that I grapple with as well. You know the pictures that I put on Instagram of my delicious food and what we've just made here with mint and basil and peaches and stuff like that is unattainable to the large majority I think of people that I'm actually trying to influence. And the way I'm trying to influence this is probably going to be much more impactful with culinary medicine, which is the nonprofit teaching doctors and, and uh, medical students how to cook, but also sort of the patient aspect of actually, you know, getting them to just increase their consumption of fruits and vegetables by one or two per day. I mean, that would have immeasurable impacts. And I think what you're doing to mirror that is if you change the mindset of someone whereby they reduce their consumption of fashion items by a couple of items per month, scaling that up that's going to have a huge impact and also that i think what's really wonderful to me about developing some slower fashion habits is that it is really accessible i'm not saying go and buy stella mccartney and mara hoffman yeah that's yeah. not your first stop stop yeah. your first stop is to actually organize your wardrobe so you see what you have in there already yeah. that is accessible and that's the first step understand what's in your wardrobe and see how you can style your clothes in different ways to make them feel really fresh. Then go and raid your mum's wardrobe, go yeah. and raid your friend's wardrobe, host a swap shop. That stuff is accessible. You know, I think that speaks to the power of clothing itself, right? So clothing is very, it's a very powerful tool to um, express ourselves, to represent ourselves. I remember when I was growing up, I was obsessed with I can't believe I'm saying this. I can't wait for this. Versace. <laughs> yes. You know, I was absolutely said all my mates who are listening to, probably not listening to this, they never listened to myself, but they were all attested to this. So like, yeah, the guy was obsessed with everything Versace. These, I had the belts, I had like these stupid shirts. I look back and it's so cringeworthy. Oh my God. It. But it said a lot about my personality at the time. I was super extrovert. I uh, enjoyed... Um, the privilege of being able to sort of like purchase these items and wear them and all that kind of stuff. I don't know why I was into that particular brand. I think I was obsessed with his story and stuff and how he, you know, the Italian culture. Um, but it says a lot of it. And I think 
you could say the same thing about the upcycling uh, sort of crowd and the um, you know vintage fashion, all that kind of stuff. It says a lot about who you are, what you represent. I represent environmental sustainability. It's become quite fashionable in itself. Definitely, right? and I I love that sustainability has become a trend mm. because on the one I mean on the one hand you have to be very wary of it because you have to understand that a lot of it could be greenwashing and you just have to be super conscious of that. But on the other hand how cool that it's trendy how cool that you know it's suddenly cool to want to rifle through product in vintage and thrift shops to find something that no one else has that tells a story to me that's so so cool and the amount of satisfaction i get when i find something that i you know no one else has rather than that polka dot zara dress that everyone's (laughs) wearing this summer i get so much satisfaction from that yeah yeah and do you think like to play devil's advocate we risk uh it becoming a phase and actually losing the point like i i've noticed a lot of people wearing like brand new t-shirts with slogans and stuff and it's just like this is so ironic it defeats the whole if if you want to if you want to make a statement with your t-shirt just actually don't (laughs) just don't it's not the way to make a statement the way to make a statement is to is to attend some kind of rally. <laughs> you know, be an activist in your actions yeah. rather than what you're saying with your t-shirt. Because so you go on these sustainable slogan t-shirt Instagrammers or whatever, and they're all they're all like, we ship worldwide. And it's like <laughs> I'm sorry, what? Oh. Let's think about those carbon emissions for a second. Yeah. I mean, they it, I get it, it's a great way to kind of get a message out there, but you'd be much better getting out a sharpie and writing on your t-shirt on an old t-shirt but again that's something that i've had to learn i used to make statements about veganism through my clothing i had one t-shirt that said something about kale i had one that said vegan you i've had ruby i've had so many disastrous slogan t-shirts just because i didn't know the implications of what that t-shirt meant behind the slogan itself um but yeah it's kind of crazy to me that People are cashing in so much on on slogan tees. Yeah. Well, it's refreshing for you to reflect on that, I think, because I think a lot of people will hide away from the fact that they used to do these sorts of things and actually are being very open, as you are with everything that you put out there yeah, digitally, which is pretty incredible. Well, some of, the, some of my favourite items in my wardrobe are from ASOS, and I've yeah. had them for years. Yeah. And I'm actually really keen to do some kind of YouTube video on my favourite pieces and showing that some of them are high, high street, yeah. and I can't yeah. escape that fact, because it's all part of the journey. It's, it's about appreciating and valuing what you have. Yeah. And if even if that, whatever it is, is from Boohoo, love it and yeah. look after it. That's the thing. I think that's a really important moment because I wanted to end on that point. It's not about shunning everything that you see on the, on the high street and, you know, uh, completely just shopping from charity shops or recycling stuff that your parents had and stuff. If you are going to purchase something, make sure you love it and look after it. One of my latest uh, purchases, which was quite a while ago now, um, was a pair of jeans from Nudie. And the reason why I like those jeans is because they repair them for life. And so I've, uh, like, you know, I know that when they break, as they always do, all skinny jeans break, I can take it back to them and they'll repair it for me for free. Whereas before, I would buy jeans from, I don't know, like some 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 well-known brands Top or man or something. yeah exactly because they're so cheap they're like 20 quid or whatever and then they'll break and they'll try and get them repaired and they just they'll just because the quality is just isn't there totally like, similarly for me it's um it's about refills for beauty products mm-hmm. so i often find that 
package-free beauty products aren't very convenient. They go all over your sh they go all over your shower. They're really difficult to travel with. However, refills are something that I'm really excited by because your product will remain in something that it can't creep out of. It will stay clean. It won't stain your shower, and you can just go along and refill it. I love. I'm really big into refills. Yeah, it yeah. gives me so much satisfaction, whether that's for food, uh, kitchen food, products yeah. like oils and that kind of thing, yeah. or beauty products. That for me makes a lot more sense for my lifestyle. Yeah. Um, there's some really exciting things happening in so many so many industries. It's a really exciting thing to be a part of, I must say. Absolutely, yeah. What what do you think would be the best starting point? Like you've already mentioned one, so looking at your wardrobe, seeing what you love, seeing you know how to organise it, putting stuff away for winter and, and summer and stuff like that. Where would people? Where would you want to direct people to go to? What, what would be a good pla starting place for someone who's looking to buy something but just doesn't want to have that impact on the environment? Wherever you can, try and find something that's already in existence. The most sustainable clothes are the ones that are already in existence. So um, look at what you already have, then look at what your family and friends have, and then look at um, renting. Renting is a really good way. My favorite rental website is Her, H-U-R-R. -R. Um, but there are lots and lots of rental what websites kind of popping up. I mean, going on her is a bit like being on Netta Porter. Really? It's incredible. Oh, epic. Okay. You can rent such amazing brands for a fraction of the price. But again, it is well. still quite luxy. What did you say? I don't think they do men yet. Oh, what? I know. We but, the last. oh my gosh, <laughs> you would love Vestiaire Collective. Okay. Vestiaire Collective is incredible. Okay. Oh my goodness. <laughs> it's just loads of amazing designer features pieces lots of Versace yeah, on there. yeah clearly so like I see you, your face just lights up whenever you talk about fashion because I'm materialistic about, yeah exactly but it's not even about materialism like I think it's just you're you're now brought into that sort of idea of like you can enjoy something that you genuinely love without having with the mindset of like this isn't going to have an impact on the environment that's something like you know we should we should embrace a hundred percent earlier this year just to do a comparison early this year I was really trying to be completely plastic free uh in everything, including my beauty regime. And I was struggling so much and I lost all love for the products that I was using because they weren't as good as the ones that I was used to. And then one of my favorite brands and actually lots of brands have started, they've partnered with TerraCycle. TerraCycle are an incredible company. They're ensuring that nothing goes to waste when you recycle with them, it's all, get, all gets upcycled. Um, and that alleviated so much stress for me. Now I just drop off my empties to a TerraCycle bank and I know that nothing's going to waste. And I can enjoy this, what I was used to before without the guilt. Uh -huh. And that's exactly the same with fashion. Vestiaire yeah. Collective, you will love. Okay, I'll check that um, out for sure. And then, I'm not, just for the record, I'm no longer into Versace. Well, it can all start again. Plain logo-less clothes, that's the way I roll. Well, in fact, a lot of people commented that in my first book, uh, 2017, I wear the same t-shirts and it's super frustrating because people are like, you wore that shirt like uh, in page 27 of your book and you're still wearing it. Like, and it's, it's at first I thought it was quite embarrassing, but now I'm quite proud of it. Oh, absolutely. Be yeah. proud of that. Be like yeah. triple OTD, mate. Yeah. I was on it. I'm all about the environment. <laughs> triple OTD. Um, get all that. the hashtag. Uh, yeah. So I think it's about, so back to your question, it's about, um, 
celebrating what you already have, swapping with your friends and family, potentially renting, and then making use of the internet. I have a Facebook group called the Slow Fashion Exchange. The Slow Fashion Exchange. Would, would recommend. It's basically uh -huh. a great community of people who are passionate about slowing their fashion consumption. Right. And if you have any questions about anything to do with fashion, yeah. you can just use the search bar or if it hasn't been answered already, ask the, the group. And it's also a really lovely way to share articles and links. And I, it's like one of the things that I'm most proud of and people from all around the world hosting swap shops. And it's just a great community, which is what I want to use social media for. When did you start that? I started that earlier this year, maybe about six, six months ago. Um, yeah, it's so lovely. These yeah. girls just wore my cockles. They're so great. I mean, that, there are some guys on there as well, but mainly girls. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's oh, really, maybe really I could cool. be one of the few please. guys. Please, yeah, yeah, please do. There's one guy on it who he he's the best someone shares and blows with me i know i know but it's really lovely actually people will just put their kind of vader trainers up there and say hey i yeah. want to give these away for free and yeah. it's it's a really really lovely thing um so yeah and then and then ebay depop making the making the most out of those kind of websites yeah. um it's actually fairly straightforward i'm currently uh looking for my wedding dress and wedding outfit. Again. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. and wedding shoes. And it's so interesting looking into that industry as a whole, and trying to find my dream wedding day outfit that's potentially vintage or already in existence. Amazing. But also not being too hard on myself and knowing that if I do find the dress of my dreams and it's not you know exactly what I wanted in terms of sustainability and that's kind of okay too yeah because you've got to I think it's important to go easy on ourselves absolutely yeah because like we were saying earlier, exactly. I think you know it, it can get into that sort of um it can feed into that mindset of like if you're not doing this a certain way then you're a bad person mm -hmm. um and I think you know I think it's quite refreshing again just to point this out that you are mindful of this and the fact that you are taking responsibility as an influencer to, to make sure people are aware that it doesn't have to be one way or the other even though that's your sort of your your way yourself it's not necessarily the same for everyone else yeah, yeah. definitely that's what I'm striving for at least yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'll definitely link that to the show notes oh yeah sure. please do sure, please 100%. do I think a lot of people would be interested in that thank you if there's anything else that people would want in terms of like where to start, where else would you point them? For fashion specifically? Yeah, or for, fashion. Um, 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 well, I do, yeah, I love, the Facebook group is great. I also love the rental website that I mentioned, her. Um, it's Rent the Runway, is that the same? Similar it's the same as the American Rent the Runway, gotcha. yeah. Okay. But it's the English version and it's all, well, not the version, it's an English, it's, it's the first peer-to-peer -peer yeah. rental website in the UK. Peer-to-peer -peer is really, really good because a lot of these rental websites still buy products, gotcha. whereas with this, everything is in existence. And then start a swap shop. Do a swap shop with your friends. Yeah. Create something in your community. I, I think social media is fantastic if used to create experiences with real people in yeah. real life. Mm -hmm. And... I'm a big fan of swap shops because it means that you get to meet people yeah. and chat to people and share stories with people while supporting the circular economy and not buying you. Absolutely. I think, you know, um, talking about on the topic of like, you know, privilege, I think it's very easy to knock ourselves down from that position of privilege, even though it's pretty striking that that's, that can be the case. But um, 
uh, Made in Hackney is a, is a charity that I, I work quite closely with and I'm ambassador for. I absolutely love them. Um, they really are the pinnacle in my mind about how you can strike a balance between being mindful of those who are from a low socioeconomic area and don't have as much uh, in the way of opportunity and how you can make it affordable and accessible to them as well. So they, uh, if people don't really know, uh, you know, promote local growing growers. They show people where they can buy organic food, super cheap, super thing, cheaper than you find it in the supermarket, and how to grow, uh, how to uh, prepare food as well. And I think they'd be super interested in the kind of stuff you're doing as well. I recently volunteered with them. Epic! They are so amazing. Sarah is the coolest Sarah chick in the wicked. game. Yeah. I love her. Her TED Talk is amazing. I've never well. seen her TED Talk. Yeah, TED Talk's oh, awesome. I need to get on it. the podcast, It's actually. basically called um, Why the World Needs More Community Kitchens. It's wow. brilliant. So good. I love what they do. Yeah. Yeah, there, there is definitely a way yeah. to do business ethically. Absolutely. And actually that's been a really interesting part of my work is is learning about these businesses and and um, I mean I personally would find I think a little bit too stressful to have my own business because it seems like the hardest work in the world but I love to be able to learn about them and communicate them to my audience. Uh, I think we should watch this space because I think there's a business brewing inside you. <laughs> oh, no. I think it's those who least expect to run a business that will run a business. Maybe, maybe. Time to tell. Lastly, I've noticed on social media that you've been doing a digital detox. Yes. Offline 48, 48 yes. offline? Yes, offline 48. Offline 48. Um, the, Instagram, the Instagram handle is at 48 hour challenge because offline 48 was already taken. Yeah, yeah. So I, over Christmas in 2018, my boyfriend and I, fiance, I can't use that word without putting on a weird, weird voice. We decided to take um, a digital detox. I've done them in the past where I just deleted my social media apps, but this time we decided to properly turn off our phones. We meant to do it for three days, but we enjoyed it so much that we ended up doing it for four days, five days, and that eventually led to 10 days. Now, we both do social media as part of our work, so I understand that we're coming at this from a slightly different perspective, but those 10 days were so glorious to kind of reconnect back to a time before mobile phones were a thing. People just kind of can be very astounded when they hear that I take these digital detoxes when I turn my phone off completely. But really, that's just how we used to live. That's how I grew up. Yeah. I didn't have a mobile phone until I was about 14 years old. So yeah, I still me, have yeah, a either, yeah. rough co- recollection of this time. So we went offline for 10 days, absolutely loved it. And then begrudgingly went back online and kind of forgot that those healthy habits that we developed I mean we're still pretty good generally in the weekdays like my phone shouldn't say like my dad would kill me I turn my phone off every evening about eight or nine o'clock and it doesn't come on in the morning until I've been awake for a few hours I go to sleep with a Lumi alarm clock rather than my phone alarm I have these habits but I'm still on my phone a lot because of my work and then I just started to feel like I'd form was forming bad habits again and as an anxiety sufferer Social media isn't that great for people who have mental health issues. Um, and I was talking to my mum and we'd just done another week, we'd just done a weekend digital detox without sharing it on social media. And I was talking to my mum about it and I was like, I just had the best weekend offline. I really want to continue doing this, but I don't think I can because of work. And my mum just said, darling, make it part of your content. <laughs> I was like, mum, you are so woke yeah, for someone yeah. in their 60s. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. 
Yeah. And so we did it a few more weekends and then thought, okay, let's start sharing this online. Uh-huh. And we've been doing it now, turning our phones off every Friday and not turning them on again until Monday morning for about five or six months. And we have created this Instagram account, which I know is ironic because it kind of yeah, is going yeah, against yeah. what we're saying, but it's a way to encourage people to turn their phones off, even if it's just for a couple of hours, yeah. whenever they can, because I understand it doesn't suit some, some people's life lifestyles. Because my whole thing is conscious consumption. It's not just about fashion. It's not just about food. It's about everything. Yeah. And unfortunately, phones require a lot of energy. They're really, really damaging for the planet, really. And also tech waste is um, actually one of the biggest waste issues at the moment um that's another another story (laughs) but in order to be more mindful of my consumption turning my phone off every weekend just makes more sense it means i can reconnect to myself it means i can reconnect to what's going on around me to the people around me and it means i can actually be more productive in the week when i am working yes it might mean that my instagram doesn't grow as quickly as it potentially could be but frankly i don't care that's not why i'm here i'm not here to gain more Instagram followers. Yes, I'm here to gain more momentum to get my message out there, but also I need to look after myself. If I'm not looking after myself and my own mental health and connecting with real life, then what's this all for? Something that we were chatting about before the pod, I think a lot of people in a position where they have uh, influence feel that at one point it was something enjoyable to do and to watch something grow, but at some point there's a tipping point and it's not like based on the number of followers, it's not based on the, num- the amount of time you spend on social media. I think there's just a threshold for everyone where it becomes more of a chore and more of a, a too much of a responsibility to do. And um, I've had that issue, I think, for a while in the offline stuff that I've been doing, like consciously putting my phone away, consciously taking time away from this thing that actually is uh, has been proven to have issues that impact your mental well-being. Um, has been pretty groundbreaking for me. Um, and so I, I actually think having a handle uh, offline 48 or what was it, sorry? Yeah, uh, offline, 48. offline 48 or 48 hour challenge. Even if I was to flick past that, you know, it would remind me, you know what, I'm, I've been in this Instagram or Facebook hole for 30 minutes. I have no idea where that, that time just zapped away. And I think this is probably something for a further discussion another time, but that realization I think is pretty pretty important and very profound. I think we're getting more and more used to it. If there was one website I'd advise people to go and check out it would be um, uh, the Center for Humane Design. Um, it's uh, Center for Humane Technology. So there's a bunch of breakaway designers from Facebook and Google who, the guy who invented the like button at Facebook, um, they've realized just how impactful their technology has been on terms of uh, human attention and how that can have a detrimental impact. So there is a way to leverage technology um, to provide its benefits and actually to progress human culture um, without the disadvantage of it as well. And I think, you know, the fact that we've connected via Instagram and actually via my sister, <laughs> but it's probably a hybrid there. But um, but that, that's testament to how beneficial this is. Absolutely, there's so much to be gained from it, but I think we just have to use it responsibly. Yeah. And that's what Offline 48 is about for me. It's about proving that you we can use social media. We've just got to be mindful of how, how much we use it. I love chatting to Venetia about the subject. To summarize what we were talking about, 
conscious fashion is just being a lot more aware of when we choose to purchase things so whether you choose to buy fast fashion items or not it's not for anyone to decide but please do make a conscious decision in the knowledge that whatever you consume is going to have some sort of impact and if you choose to buy something then enjoy it just cherish it as much as you can there are lots of websites to shop with peace of mind and we'll link to those at thedoctorskitchen.com Benicia selected a whole bunch and we talked about them on the pod as well check out charity shops and hurrying clothes websites which allows you to indulge in the hobby of fashion something i still enjoy myself with the peace of mind of it not being as detrimental to the environment and recognizing the role of the consumer in this and being aware of greenwashing is probably one of the best things that we can do Our purchasing power is phenomenally important and I think it's something that we as a collective can have a lot more influence on. Stay connected with Venetia on YouTube where she creates weekly videos and on Instagram for her daily insights and advice for living a more mindful lifestyle. You can check her out on Instagram, Twitter under Venetia Faulkner or one word. Check out her podcast, YouTube and the website and I'll link to those on thedoxiskitchen.com. Check out the other interesting reads and listens that I've linked to in the podcast including the Radio 4 debate moral maze that actually led to this podcast being created created in the first place i hope you enjoyed it give it a five star rating subscribe to the newsletter you'll get weekly science-based recipes sent to your inbox and i'll see you next time Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.